Hi, this is Joy B. And this is James B. And this is the Glow Your Goddess podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Happy New Year. It Happy is Happy New Year. Yes, it's 2022. We are beginning the new year outright. Uh, we're so excited to be back and bringing you another episode. Um, so what we are going to be talking about today is our trauma that we have gone through. So basically dealing with trauma and managing having healthy relationships, even though you have experienced trauma. Unfortunately, trauma is something that we have all experienced in different ways. We can have an idea of what it looks like. Uh, we can have some pictures if we watch movies, if we watch a Lifetime, um, reality TV, as to what is actually traumatic. But there are some things that I believe get dismissed as a trauma in our lives and therefore do not get the the appropriate attention that they need to get. Um, they're kind of brushed under the rug as a part of your personality um, or it's just maybe you being difficult. And it definitely affects your relationship. If we can't identify the core of an issue or reactivity, it's going to be really difficult to make it go away. Would you say that everybody has some sort of trauma in their life that deal, they have to deal with as an adult? As an adult, yes, because most people don't realize that that's what it is. Um, if there were more, I would say, like signs or assessments of you having trauma early on in your life, um, then that we would identify as trauma responses and things like that, we'd be able to manage it quicker. Mm -hmm. But we put labels on different things. So if you are a child and maybe you have some trauma that no one even knows about and you are acting out about something, um, you are very quiet, you stick to yourself, you don't want to talk to any other people mm -hmm. and no one understands that there's been a pain thing, you can just be identified as somebody who's difficult okay. or, or has an attitude. So you can therefore be disciplined instead of cared for in a way that you would start to heal your wounds. And so therefore this will kind of continue to grow with you as you grow and mm -hmm. you will formulate different ideas based off of that unresolved trauma. Okay. That makes okay. some sense. Okay. So the definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience, right? So this can be, again, what we visualize as something very personal and very deep, like seeing someone die in front of you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, being abused viciously by a loved one, right? Uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, things like that. Uh, but there are simpler things that do happen that, again, we look at almost like a rite of passage when we're in elementary or middle school, high school. I mean, I can't talk to one person who doesn't say that middle school wasn't very disturbing or, hmm. or aggravating, but we kind of laugh about it. But there was probably something there that was a sticking point in terms of how we thought about ourselves. Okay. Yeah. How was your middle school experience? Um, I had a pretty good middle school experience, but I do remember some bullying that happened to me and stuff like that from the older kids, um, especially when I was like in sixth grade or seventh grade. Mm -hmm. You know, those eighth graders and ninth graders, they can be a little bit... Um, in charge. <laughs> yes. And see, that's the type of stuff we say like, oh, they can be like this. You know, you know how they are. Oh, they're going to act like this. And we have an expectation like it's just a normal growing up thing. Mm -hmm. Why are we making such a big deal out of it? Right. Every kid is not going to be aggressive. Yes, there are hormonal changes that do happen where you could be more aggravated, but it doesn't mean that you will show out in a way that is uh, very harming to other people. Right. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, if you are looking at someone who's a bully, they have probably had trauma going on in their homes they probably
actually feel powerless in other spaces and therefore they want to have power and kind of put that upon mm. other people around them. Okay. So that can happen as a child and an adult. There's plenty of people as adults who feel powerless and continue to bully other people, bully their colleagues, bully their family into doing whatever it is that they want, um, feeling like they deserve it and they can only get it by pushing someone else down. Mm -hmm. All trauma responses. So some other spaces that I would say um, would be like maybe things that get looked over that is actual trauma, right? Something that is distressing, something that you remember would be rejection. It could be rejection from friends. Mm -hmm. It could be rejection from romantic relationships. Maybe you weren't getting hired for a job for the longest time and that starts to really sit with you. That's definitely a, a trauma thing and it makes you think certain things about yourself over and over again. Um, a belief is just a thought that you have over and over again. Okay. So it can start to formulate those beliefs. Um, manipulation, someone manipulating you very slightly can still be traumatic because especially once you figure out that you were being manipulated and that you were not somehow able to step up and protect yourself, that can feel a way for you that you were stripped of something. Mm, kind of like shaming. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Shaming is, uh, is definitely a part of things that are traumatic. Uh, people telling you the things that you do, the things that you desire are not appropriate, right? And that they're going to somehow um, create a, a bigger consequence to your life if you continue to just be who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like somebody who may be a part of um, an organization uh, that is of faith or something like that. It could be anything. And this organization does not believe in whatever your sexual orientation truly is. And if you are taught that if you hold on to this orientation or this behavior, you're going to be damned. That's something where you're kind of, you're stuck in the middle of something. Is it you having to deny who you are? Um, or do you deny your tribe? This mm -hmm. is your support system, right? So right. you're it's between a rock and a hard place and there's really no great answer. You just try to survive that and that being forced into survival is traumatic. Okay. Um, so we did say bullying. Definitely bullying mm -hmm. is will be something that could be like an everyday thing that we tell our kids, you know, you'll get through it. But they do walk away with some some residue of pain from that, right? Okay. Being ostracized for whatever the reason is, right? Being cut off mm -hmm. um, from everybody else, whether it is because your parents have decided to live somewhere remote and you're not amongst your peers or your peers have decided that they don't want to be with you. Both of those can actually be traumatic. I had a client whose parents lived in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. um, and she felt terrible. The only information that was ever coming into her was from her parents um, until she finally went to school. And when she did, she wasn't showing up like the other kids because she wasn't uh, um, raised around enough people to know how to interact with people her age and that kind of thing. Okay. So she's kind of starting off from a space of being behind and being different, you know, like a kid raised by wolves and then like, okay, now go to people's school. It's going to be a problem. Right. It's going comes to a, a, like a lack of social development. Absolutely. And people, kids are not going to like think about a lack of social development. They're right. like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, and, and then you're, you're dubbed weird. whatever. Exactly. You're dubbed weird forever. Right. And no one wants to talk to you and you believe no one wants to talk to you. And you kind of continue. Because you're weird. Because you're weird. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, I'm just weird. I'm weird. I've always been weird. You know, I'll have people in session and when we're doing the assessment, we do the history and I talk about your friends and things like that. And you're like, yeah, well, I was a weird kid and I'm still weird now. And because you haven't let that go. Right. Yeah. 
Um, cultural norms could actually be something that is traumatizing. If your culture believes that you're supposed to show up a certain way, um, they believe that you're supposed to believe exactly everything they believe. And again, you're in a space of wanting to be creative and expansive and be outside the box. There are consequences for trying to go outside that box. Oh, I'm glad we clarified that because I was thinking that was a whole bunch of people named Norm. <laughs> Norm. <laughs> Um, harsh rules could be something that is traumatizing. I don't know if I have any fellow um, private school goers. It was pretty tough. When I went I to was private school. school. You did? Yeah. How, what was your experience like? Um, it wasn't altogether bad because mm -hmm. um, we were in a group of private schools that associated with each other. So there was instead of just 100 or 50, it was several hundred. Mm. And so we had this association of private schools that interacted with each other yeah. to kind of give us social skills. Yeah, so you weren't kind of um, left to the side or like the only school that was like yours. Mm -hmm. um, you were able to connect with others. I imagine also your experience could be different, one being a boy at that time. And I'm wondering if it was also different because of your cultural background. Um, I'm sure you all know James is not black, right? <gasps> <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> I just found out, but everything is different, you know, um, in terms of how you can move through the world and you can easily sometimes blend in with others when you are the majority, it's a little bit easier, even though even within the majority, you can be picked on for a specific thing. But if everyone is kind of doing the same thing, um, it's, it's easier to, to move through without getting poked at. Um, I was in private school and it was kindergarten to 12th grade mm -hmm. and there were four black people in the entire school. Mm. So we did all know each other. People joke, like, Don't, do you know so-and-so? Actually, I do, because there's none of us here. So, mm. so yes. I kind of had a similar situation. The private school I went to in Oregon, mm -hmm. uh, Oregon's not known for being culturally diverse. Mm -hmm. um, the town that I lived in only had one black guy in the whole school. Wow. And that was public school. Wow. Yeah. And so it was kind of a novelty when he moved into the community. And, we're culturally diverse now. Oh my goodness. And yeah, and, and then that poor guy probably had to represent all black people on the planet. Like, what do you guys like to do? And why is your hair like that? And blah, 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 blah. I get that a lot from my clients who have gone to schools that have been uh, majority white. And um, it's not even necessarily the neighborhood that they live in. It's just that makes it, oh, it's going to be more of this makeup. But just the fact of living in the United States, you know, we're a minority. So that's probably what's going to happen. Um, those experiences, yes, can be traumatic because you are othered, right? Especially depending on your background, or you can go somewhere where there's more boys and you're the only girl there, or you are among people who are able-bodied and maybe you have a disability and you can also be othered by that and experience trauma from that, that you're always going to be an outsider, especially if you don't see anyone else, like you said, in your town, like you, you'll feel like I'm literally the only one in the world like myself. It's quite possibly we're all others. We are all others, but we're all togethers too. There's something that we all have in common, but we like to look at the differences that we have with people, especially when we have a first inkling of, I don't like you, so let me look for the thing that makes you different from me. Mm. Mm -hmm. When I'm attracted to somebody, like you go on a date, you're like, well, what do you like to do? And you get all excited, like, oh my God, I like to do that too. Like we're so, we're so looking for that common thread because like, I want us to be closer. Let's rope that in. But when you just feel like or assume you will not like someone, and that's also a trauma thing. Like you may have had a bad connection or experience with someone who was like this person and immediately you show up in your, um, 
your adult relationships, assuming all these things about this person and treating them like the culprit that they have not yet proven to be. We can even project that upon them, not knowing them at all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And um, really not even giving them a chance sometimes. And so you, there you go. You're disconnecting, you know, you're, um, you're keeping yourself from some opportunities. You believe you're keeping yourself safe. Do not get me wrong. There are instances where we are using our spidey senses from the experiences that we have had. And we are in fact keeping ourselves safe, but a trauma response would be being hyper vigilant about that safety. And so therefore everyone is unsafe. But. She just used Spidey Sense because we just saw Spider-Man the other night. That is true. And it was so good. If you haven't seen it, you need to get on it. He saw it with me and I didn't realize he hadn't seen the other Spider-Mans, which just made things make not sense to him, which I'm like, oh my God, you have to see all the Spider-Mans before. So I'm giving you that warning. Don't go there, you know, empty brained without all the Spider-Mans in tow. It's saying. not like I was totally oblivious to Spider-Man. I'd seen several of the Spider-Mans, not all of the Spider-Mans. And he needed to. He, he, I promise you. It needed to happen. Whatever, dude. Okay. This is, might be traumatic for him, too. That I'm making him feel bad about not watching all the Spider-Man. I know. It's cool. I'm feeling the trauma right now. <laughs> Whatever. I think I'm going to get a therapist. <laughs> you have one. All right. So, harsh rules. Um, so, even if your home is not necessarily a strict religious home, there are parents who can be highly anxious, who can be a perfectionist themselves, and they will have harsh rules, maybe around things that they think will keep you safe. Don't talk to those people. Don't go there. Um, and you being restricted all the time can create a trauma for you that you feel like you're imprisoned. So that can be something where maybe you get older and then you don't want any rules at all, right? You're just like a rebel without a cause because of these things. Hmm. Um, Self-hate. I know people like that. Rebels without a cause? Without a clue. Without a clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, Self-hate is another uh, traumatic thing. It's just that basically that is kind of um, having maybe a culture project on you things that you shouldn't like about yourself. And that would be kind of associated with like, say, fat shaming, right? So if others weren't talking about our body fat, if they weren't talking about these appearance things, right, we wouldn't know that it was an issue. Other people have to tell us. So when they tell us and we take that on as I shouldn't like myself, why am I allowing myself to walk around like this? I should cover myself, that kind of thing. So those are other traumas that could happen um, via our community. Mm. Uh, I was watching something and they were talking about, um, no, I'm sorry. I was in class. That's what it was. I was in class. And when we're in class, and I mean my clinical sexology PhD that I'm doing, when we're in class, we talked a lot about marginalized communities. We talk a lot about how people's life experiences do affect their body image mm -hmm. um, and their, you know, their exposure to things, right? So there is a community. I can't remember exactly what country it was in. It was in the United States. But they were voluptuous women, basically, in their community, in their villages, and they would actually promote this for the women to be healthy in this way. I know a lot of, like, African villages, it's the same thing. You are identified as rich, as wealthy, when you look well-fed, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be plump for that. Right. So um, this country, they got television, I would say, in, like, or our shows in, like, the late 90s. And they saw a significant difference in... One, the way women's bodies looked because they were looking at like European um, versions of beauty and they then felt shame for their body and felt like I should be slimmer, I should be smaller. Um, they saw a rise in eating disorders. They saw a rise in depression and anxiety because there was a worry that was literally added into the community that wasn't there prior to this particular exposure. Hmm. Yeah. 
And that could be traumatic for someone to tell you, like, your whole culture has told you that it is um, okay for you to be unhealthy. You're unhealthy fat. Like, maybe they were completely healthy, right? But we kind of rip those beliefs away from people and tell them, be better. So... Any of these things that I talked about, James, like rejection, manipulation, bullying, being ostracized, uh, disabled, cultural norms, harsh rules, um, self-hate, like fat shaming, things like that. Did you experience any of these growing up or even as an adult? Um, there's always been cultural things and uh, religious things and, you know, where you're taught to be a certain way or act a certain way or believe a certain thing um, because that's what the community believes or acts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's been times that I've been bullied, and I have to admit, there's times that I was the bully. Yeah, yeah. You know, we go through those. We go through those stages. We go through those ages where uh, sometimes people that get to get bullied. When we get in a position where we can bully, we do. Mm -hmm. And I remember a time when I was a bully, and I remember a time when I was bullied. Mm -hmm. So. I've, I've had people who I know were bullied and then they became the bully. They come to my office and they're like ashamed though of even that, mm -hmm. that in and of itself can cause some issues for yourself when you're like, you identify as this bad person now that you did things to other people. Uh, probably again, things that were triggered by other people causing you pain. It is not an excuse, right? right. But it is a, a connectable reason, mm -hmm. but you can still feel bad. Like how could I do things to people when I know how bad, it is, right. you know, so, okay. Um, I would say for me, some of the things, definitely cultural norms. I think we all get that, especially when we start to discover that we are our own person mm -hmm. and we love different things than our parents did or our small little community or block did. Um, we can really struggle with trying to pull away from that. And then um, in the beginning, it's always kind of like having secrets, right? Mm. And that's difficult. They, they say secrets keep you sick, right? Having to live these double lives, pretend to be somebody to please someone else, and then being mad at yourself that you did that. Um, so definitely cultural um, norms, rejection, because nobody escapes rejection for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and, and some bullying. Um, middle school, high school, I would say for sure. Everybody was a bully. Right. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of bullying going on. So um, it was that bully hierarchy. There were the top bullies mm -hmm. and the mid bullies and the bottom bullies. And then the people that didn't have anybody to bully, they found somebody to bully. Oh, my God. Maybe a pet. That's terrible. Right. And I'm, it's not, I don't want to make it funny, but like it is a thing. Mm -hmm. People had they put that energy somewhere else. Um, I would say I probably wasn't a bully. I wouldn't say I was a bully, but I was definitely bullied. And what I did was, you know, um, James is saying whatever. I was not a bully. I was too busy doing things mm -hmm. and too busy fighting for my life. Mm -hmm. um, I was probably, I was the shortest person in school for sure. And I was the only person who spoke like myself because I came from private school to public school. So it was a different environment and I never necessarily shifted into being like everyone else. And that was always a problem. Mm. What I did do, I'm not saying that this is a good thing. It just happened, right? What I did do was I aligned with the biggest bully of them all. <laughs> So therefore, not to send her out to like bully people, right? Mm -hmm. But if someone came to get me, I was okay. Mm, I see. <laughs> you know, like you had to do something. Um, yes, you had to do something. So I'm not saying that we should. You be, grabbed a bully to be a bodyguard. I didn't grab her. She just happened to be my best friend. Okay, and it worked out 
where people stopped bothering me. Um, but it was years, right? I had to fight a lot for myself. And I just don't feel like as human beings, we should ever be fighting people. Like, that's, that's just bananas to me. But it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm a cute girl. Like, I should not be fighting. But unfortunately, it happens, right? So we do what we have to do to get through it. And I've done plenty of processing around being picked on, why I was picked on, what made me different. And what I've done in my adult life is really embraced all those things that were different about me mm-hmm. because I because I could, right? Um, because I didn't have to bow down to any of that. And it, it was more empowering to me to step all the way into the things that were I was maybe being teased for, or why I was different, opposed to hiding because... Mm-hmm. That's just frustrating, um, and that's just like, constantly trying to remember how to be on my P's and Q's for somebody. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, how might this be showing up in your life? How might the traumas, right, be manifesting in your life, and especially in your relationships? Because that's the focus. I want you to be able to manage your relationships even with the trauma. Okay, so some of the ways that, that those can show up is that any of these narratives that I talked about before, the manipulation, the bullying, the rejection, all those things can be something that cultivate a belief for you. And like I said, a belief is just a thought you have over Correct. and over again. Mm-hmm. Okay, So uh, this can pretty much show up as you putting yourself down because of those narratives. And this could also affect your relationship health because if your partner sees you as worthy and valuable and they're always affirming you and telling you, right? Mm-hmm. What What's the biggest thing that happens when someone tells you something about yourself and you're not comfortable? What do you how, What do you identify that as? You You say it to me all the time, not being able to take compliments, right? Yeah. So your partner can be like, "Dang, you know, I'm trying to be sweet and I'm trying to tell you the truth that I see, and you're constantly knocking down my truth and basically saying your words mean nothing." Mm. <laughs> and that's how does that feel when I, when I do have a problem taking compliments? How do you experience that? Um, it's it's a little bit uh, hard to deal with because you're like, this is how I see you and this is how you really are, but you're not giving me the freedom to express that. Mm-hmm. So then, then I become the person shutting somebody else down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how it can affect you having a healthy relationship because you don't want to be in the practice of shutting down your partner and you want to allow your partner to affirm different truths about you so that you can incorporate those as well mm-hmm. and start to shift with it instead of being so afraid of um, having something positive about yourself that you can later be disappointed. Like, what if they're lying and I get all excited about it? Then I'm going to feel silly later, right? Um, relationships can be, in and of itself, healing if right. we allow them to be. Right. Yeah. Um, another way would be shaming around sex, right? So... If you were shamed when you were younger about having sex, about desiring sex, about looking at sex, about being a sexual being, uh, one, it's ridiculous because, you know, your sexual health is a part of the whole health package, right? Our mental, our spiritual, our sexual, mm-hmm. um, financial, physical, physical, all these things are really important. If you do not have a healthy sex life and that when I say healthy I'm not talking about oh this prescription of you're supposed to have sex three to four times a week or you're not healthy no healthy is accepting whatever um is your sexual space and being in that but when you have to turn things off when you have been traumatized around that you have to hide from it um you can become hyper active or underactive with your sexuality and that's not that's not a healthy balance Mm -hmm. so especially when you're in a relationship and someone is wanting to connect with you in a way that shows affection um appreciation and something that helps them 
feel validated and being able to be in that intimate space in a way that other people are not typically in with you, right? So when that's not healthy, again, the relationship can feel disconnected. Okay. Yeah. Um, shaming around sex. Is there anything around that that sounds familiar to you, James? Again, because it could be a different experience as a man than um, a woman. Um, there is, you know, being a different situations when you're growing up, you know, whether your parents uh, raise you a certain way in a religious community or in a, uh, a freer community or whatever, um, you do have these do's and don'ts around sex as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're probably put in place to protect you, but sometimes they can be put in place to protect your parents because maybe they went through something and they're trying to overprotect. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they may be compensating. Mm-hmm. And so you end up having some type of trauma or some negative feedback around your sexuality or around your sexual preferences or around just being sexual beings. And then having to clarify that as you get to become an adult. Yeah, a lot of clarifying. And that that clarifying can be kind of the sticking point in relationships where you're not quite sure how you're supposed to be like maybe sometimes you get completely visceral and you're really yourself and then you pull back from that and your partner's like wait well who are you because you showed up this way but now sometimes you show up this way am i creating am i causing damage for you by touching you this way but really it's a a shame trigger that's that's coming up um that's making you not want to connect with them fully in that way right and almost telling them that they should be ashamed because Mm -hmm. that's what you learned right and so then your partner can feel bad about being with you if you're telling them they're bad for wanting certain things from you or with you or by themselves right and you can have a hard time showing up with your partner physically by being unable or kind of stifled in expressing what you want sexually Mm -hmm. and what you want to experience and how you want to show up because you have been not allowed to speak about that. I mean, even as, you know, when you're a teenager or whatever, and then you become an adult into your 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you still may struggle with your sexual identity Mm -hmm. and your sexual preferences and your sexual appetite what does that look like? Well, I don't really know. Well, you do know, but you may have a hard time expressing that. You may have a hard time uh, sharing that with your partner, mm-hmm. and you may have a hard time asking for what you want mm-hmm. and being afraid that that would be shamed as well because it's been shamed in the past. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing, like expecting your partner to show up as your parents have, like, because whatever they said to you was the norm, right? And obviously everyone thinks the way that they think. So everyone's going to have the mind to tell me, you know, shame on you mm-hmm. because the other person did, but that's not necessarily true, right? Like our paradigms are created by our home culture. Right. Um, another way would be fear that all relationships will be the same and that they'll be damaging. So if you have been in damaging relationships where that rejection happened or that manipulation happened, maybe a partner was teasing you, um, all types of things that can happen in a relationship that will make you formulate your not enoughness thing. So you may fear everyone's going to do something. Eventually it's going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. And the way that that shows up is that you either will avoid all relationships or you will settle for any relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, it's going to be bad anyway. And I don't want to be by myself. So I might as well just settle for this thing that is not that great. And the other thing that can show up from, from that is if you, um, decide to stay in a relationship and say you do settle, but you're still mad about it, right? You can become the 
accuser. You could be the one in the relationship that is expecting bad and you're constantly telling your partner how they're going to let you down. Mm. Um, you're assuming they've done it in secret, you know, and, and so the entire energy of the relationship is uh, accusations and mm -hmm. someone having to protect themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. So people don't necessarily leave those relationships. They will oftentimes just continue that toxic pattern again and again and again. So therefore, that is a way that we cultivate unhealthy relationships because of our trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and another way would be being hyper-focused on appearance opposed to being focused on organic affection. Okay. So by that... Because of our culture, you know, so much around social media and Instagram model body and all that type of stuff, when we become so hyper-focused on being this ideal beauty, right, um, we forget that maybe our partner doesn't need us to just look good in this dress. They don't need our booty to look a certain way. I mean, they would like it, don't get me wrong, but they don't just need that, right? You get so much into it, you're afraid you'll be rejected if you don't have all those parts that you put very little effort into my partner actually needs me to touch him every once in a while. Mm. He needs me to just like breathe on his neck. My partner needs me to sit down and uh, watch this show with him and be all there, right? And not doing squats at the same time. Uh, my partner needs me to ask how their day was instead of talking about all the reps that I did or all the food I didn't eat or how much I hate what's going on with my body, right? Like if I become so obsessed with this, I can't be fully present for my partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, the two of us try to be healthy and I think we have both uh, what we connect on. Um, we've both had experiences of our bodies not being exactly where we wanted them to be, but understanding like the work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And I think what I like is that we can say out loud that that is a concern. So therefore, we don't have to hide it from our partner that we want to be healthy so we can do it together and then we can actually cultivate time of togetherness and connection and affection through our value of having healthy bodies. Right. So instead of just obsessing on it by yourself. It so. sounds like it's perfect, but we're still working. We are always still working. We're very close to perfect, but we're always still working to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so the last way that I'm not going to tell you any different. No, that's right. The last, <laughs> way, the last way that this shows up is uh, people pleasing and denying your own feelings, right? Deferring to other people's feelings, deferring to their needs, always feeling like they should be prioritized and you don't have to be. So when you do this, you are either going to be in a situation where you have a partner who is selfish, basically, and they will take advantage of your space of being traumatized to becoming a people pleaser, mm -hmm. thinking that you have to do and not just be in order to be loved. So they'll take, 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 and you'll get nothing. Um, or you will be in a position where you're with this person and sooner or later... Or not even maybe with a selfish person, but you start like sabotaging yourself. You give to someone else all the time and then you get exhausted with doing this to yourself. But then you project that blame and anger on everyone else. But you're, you're the one who's been giving up your feelings. You're the one who's been saying, no, whatever you want. And then you get mad when they don't think to think of you because in their mind, they're like, well, you know, he loves pleasing me. Why would I have to do anything for him? This is what makes him happy, making me happy, right? So I don't need to do anything but be happy. And you're creating a false narrative. That's mm -hmm. not true. We still need things. Mm -hmm. I've done that. Yeah. Oh, she said she didn't even hesitate, did she? Yeah. No. Wait, no. Oh, wait. You've done it now. You've done it here. Is that what you're saying? I said I've done that, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> I thought pleasing me does make you happy. It does, baby. Okay. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> 
So this is actually uh, evidence of health that, again, you can say like, hey, I've done this unhealthy thing that I've done for years and I don't want to do it anymore. Hey, this shows up in our relationship and I think that we should probably do better. Let's talk about it out loud and figure out ways that we cannot neglect ourselves um, and we can be more connected and not let our old stories take over. We create mm-hmm. our, our, our own story literally every day. We come up with a new way of thinking about who we are and who we're going to be together mm-hmm. and, and alone. So, okay. So some of the resolutions that I have, this is not going to be a surprise. I'm a therapist. I'm always going to be a therapist. I'm always going to have a love for therapy. Of course, first resolution I would say is therapy. <gasps> for sure. Uh, I think everyone should be in therapy. So can excuse be, can my bias. puppy therapy? Puppy th- Well, you can definitely use animals in therapy. I completely believe in animal therapy. I would use my puppy, but he's just, he's a wack-a-doodle. Like, you don't want him in session with you. He's no. He goes between, I might want to bite you. He's not going to bite you, but he pretends like he will, and he'll get all like, Rah, but he's not really going to bite you, but you'll be afraid he will. And then the he's other- He's giving her the evil eye right now. Right now, right? And the other end of it is he'll just go to sleep and snore very loudly. So either way, you don't want him in session, right? So there's no puppy therapy for us. That's but I true. do believe in it for well-trained dogs <laughs> to, to be a therapy pet. Our um, dog is not a therapist. Not not this not this one especially. <laughs> oh, so the therapy piece, especially when we're looking at trauma, and I, I I want to reiterate the things that I said are traumatic. So I don't want you to dismiss possibly getting a therapy that would be helpful. Like I don't have trauma, I don't need trauma therapy, but maybe you do. Okay, so um, a really lovely trauma therapy that I learned and I really I mean, it has worked for every single client I've used it for is brain spotting. Uh, Brain spotting is neurobiological. It's not talk therapy. So, you know, I use a special equipment, um, a particular setup to find out where a traumatic memory is in your brain. I can actually see it and then I can help you process through it. And by doing that, your brain literally rewires, right? Your brain wants to be healthy. So it starts to move and create like new paths of health because that's what it was desiring. It just needs something to like untether that knot that was in there, right? When she says she can see it, she's not looking inside your skull. Well, not quite, but I can see it on your face. I can see yes. it in your body. I have you little do, tells. You, you do make cues when she's found the right spot in yes. your in your memory <laughs> bank. But I don't have, because yeah, you I don't show have up like that, that way. vision. What is it? What do you call that vision? X-ray vision. Yeah, I don't have X-ray vision. I was not claiming that type of superpowerhood. You know, I, I do have superpowers, but that's not one of them. Mm-hmm. So, okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, so brain spotting, definitely a, a great um, trauma therapy and something you can do online, as well as EMDR. Now, all EMDR uh, professionals may not be comfortable doing it online. And not, I'm not saying that you have to do it virtually, but I am now virtual night, so I do most of my things virtually. EMDR is another one that can help you get transported back to the trauma space where you usually have um, unhealthy responses. It can help you kind of reflect back on it, but remember that you are safe. You are with your therapist. You are not going to be harmed. And then you Mm -hmm. kind of can look at it from a space of empowerment. So the next time you look at it, you're not this afraid little boy, little girl, whatever it was, you recognize you have survived something and you continue to thrive in life. And that's how you see yourself in that position, Mm -hmm. not powerless, Mm okay? Um, and I would say the last one would be experiential therapy and experiential therapy is a lot of times when we send you out there to actually have the experiences that you are afraid of. Maybe you can call that exposure therapy too. Um, have the conversation that you've been afraid of having, thinking that it's going to create rejection and thinking it's going to create more pain. Um, but having you do it and then show you, Hey, they don't all equate to the same thing is very powerful. I'm still not bungee jumping. No, no. 
No. Why? Because. Because what? It's totally safe. Still not Benji. <laughs> Would you jump out of the plane with me next time? Uh... Possibly. That's that's hilarious. He would jump out of a plane. I jumped out of a plane from the highest height you could possibly jump from. Totally terrifying. But you know you have to do a tandem. So the guy had to push me out of the plane. He had to jump. He's like, all right, you ready? I'm like, um, I was, but now I'm not. He's like, okay, we're going. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but the fact that you would jump from a plane and not bungee jump, is just it's hilarious to me. What if it breaks? Oh, my God. What if the parachute doesn't open? What if the guy falls asleep on your back? At least he's there. Oh, my Bungie God. Bungee jumping you all by yourself. You guys can die together. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Bungee jumping you all by yourself. <laughs> You're like, it's just okay. you and Jesus right there. <laughs> okay. So no bungee jumping. Next would be engaging in activities that cultivate you displaying and feeling power. So this could be physical activities and physical activities that maybe show that you have actual physical strength, that you have dexterity, that you are able to push limits, um, especially if you're someone who felt like boxed in before. Boxing, right, specifically is something that gets a lot of that energy transferred out where you can see your power. Um, you can be someone who is a creative and you transform that energy of trauma and pain into something that is actually useful, that is mm -hmm. beautiful, that cultivates almost positive emotions and change for other people. So you feel like through you, others were able to experience the opposite of what you were experiencing. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Some of the most famous artists were traumatized. Yes, yes. And they transmuted it is what I believe they would call transmuted. that. Transmuted. Yeah, I'm just throwing stuff That's out there. That's a big today. word right there. It is. <laughs> um, meditation is another one for trauma. Um, so meditation has a lot of like affirmations and things like that that happen. And a lot of like allowing yourself to sit in the space and experience the feelings and know that you're going to survive them. But if you have a particular type of trauma where you have ongoing thoughts again and again and again, I would combine this with the trauma therapy because what happens is you, when you open up these new brain paths with things like brain spotting and EMDR, you are better able to accept the, um, the meditative messages. If you do like a guided meditation and things like that. Oh, and the other one is tapping. Um, I have, I, I tap naturally. You do, yes. And so, but there's, there's specific tapping. If you, um, Google it or YouTube it, you will find a lot of tapping techniques. There's actually an app called the Tapping Solution. Mm -hmm. Try this app and it teaches you how to tap in certain spaces for specific triggers that are coming up for you, right? And when you're able to balance your body out that way, again, those affirmations, therapy, all that stuff works better because you've opened up the pathways. Um, and chakra healing, you guys know I love my chakras. That's, it is what it is. Uh, you can look at chakra healing. Is you can look at Reiki healing. The, no, you're not. Oh, shock, shock you healing. No, it's chakras. chakras. Oh, chakras. The chakras. I was thinking shock therapy. <laughs> it's not shock therapy. It's chalk therapy. And um, this is a legitimate therapeutic theory that has been used in um, psychology. It's been used for physical ailments, all types of things. You can look at it as kinetics. Like um, we have different energy in different spaces of our body that do manifest differently. This is a scientific thing that that does happen. We just call it different things. So you can go to different practitioners who work around maneuvering this energy, even massages, right? It's moving energy, releasing things from places and putting energy in a different space so that you hmm. are balanced. So it's mm -hmm. all about finding something that balances your energy. Okay. 
The last one I would say is creating a community that heals old wounds, right? Surrounding yourself by people who align with your uh, view of life, who align with your values. They don't all have to be the same, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to be with people who completely see things different than you so that you're constantly debating, right? That brings up all this cortisol. It's a a constant state of stress, clenching your muscles of, oh my God, what am I going to have to fight for today, right? If you don't believe anything that I believe, I'm going to constantly having to be proving myself Mm-hmm. And who wants to do that? So, um, yeah, so creating that community, whether it is like a community on Meetup, if it's a community, even at your job, it could be people who are not your family is what I'm trying to tell you because maybe that's where a lot of the trauma lies. Uh, you want to create a community of like-minded people in whatever arena of life you can find that in a healthy way, okay? So those were the three resolutions that I had for some of the ways that trauma, these little traumas, big traumas show up in our relationships, how they can make us disconnected, how they can make us have unhealthy views of what it is to love or be loved. We want to make sure that we're able to see the core of things. We can see the beginning of it because when you see the beginning, it loses power. It's not a mystery. It's not the Wizard of Oz, right? Like when the Oz is revealed, you're like, oh, you're just a man with a mustache hmm. in pajamas, right? Like you're not that scary. Turning some cranks. Yes. You don't have to have power over me. You can paint this whole big picture of who you think I was, but I am the only one who really gets to say who I am. Hmm. Okay. So that is all that we have for you today. I really appreciate everyone coming on and listening. Um, Definitely stay tuned for additional podcasts coming up as the practice continues to transition and expand as usual. I will continue to give you expansive information. Um, If you're not on the Instagram page already, please go ahead and follow either at Uh, what is it glow your goddess Mm -hmm. (laughs) or the new page which is incorporating sex therapy sex related advice um, open relationship poly relationship advice right is at that joy place and i do live on both of the pages now i do Mm -hmm. a live on tuesday on glow your goddess dear joy and i do a dear joy on thursdays at joy place if you have questions around your sexual health, around your relationship health, um, I am available to take questions in either of those direct messages or for you to email me at joy at glowyourgoddess.com. Guys, don't send dick pics. Oh my gosh. Okay, for real, today, I, it, people are trying to convince me that I need to look at their genitalia. I need to look at body parts to fully understand their condition. I am not a medical doctor, right? I will be a doctor soon, but I'm not going to be a medical doctor. I do not want to see any body parts to assess. You can give me symptoms. You can give me things that you're going through, and I can pretty well assess what is happening, especially from a relationship standpoint, how it relates to your partner, relates to your own thought process. But when it comes to a physical ailment, so to speak, I will be referring you to your doctor, and that's where you need to go do not send me any pictures of your body parts i'm not saying this just to be cute i'm saying it because i literally have been having to deal with that yes all right so thank you goddesses for tuning in and of course as always if you have any questions please feel free to let me know and we will utilize that for some of our future topics for podcasts Shut it down when you walk into the room Got that faith, got that strength Got that abundance Now they know when they see that close You 
Thanks, Cuba. <laughs>